We're here with Brian Dozier, and Brian, we got to know, what is it like to play in the bottom of the ninth inning in a Major League Baseball game? When thinking about it, it brings me back to 2015. We're playing against the Detroit Tigers, bottom of the night, down uh, six to one. We've been through that before. It's kind of, okay, you have a small chance of coming back. And so all of a sudden we start running off a few hits together. We get a couple of runs. You look up, it's six three, six four. I remember being in the dugout and always, what I like to do when we start to come back, I'm like, hey, listen, okay, if he gets on, he gets on, he gets on. Okay, I've got a chance to win the game. We get a couple more runners on. End up making a 6 5 with two outs, and they bring in the closer, first pitch. Hit the three run homer and win the game. I think it's been the biggest comeback in Twins history. Well, what's that experience like being part of a comeback? And how do you feel like that relates to your Christian faith? Uh, you, you can you can say the first the first eight innings is is our life, and no matter how far you're down, how screwed up you are, how messed up you are, whatever. In order to come back, it's all about Jesus. It's all about your walk with Him and saying yes to Him and let Him change you. You're never out of it. You're never defeated. And I think relating back to the Tigers thing that yeah, you're down. You have a small chance, whatever the case may be, but you're never out. It's that cliche saying it's not over till it's over. Same thing with your wall of faith, it's it's never over. You always have a chance to accept Jesus. And when you do, then you win. Amen to that. Brian, thank you so much. Absolutely. Appreciate your time. Appreciate it. Thank you. Well, good morning, Wooddale. How are you this morning? Good. It's so good to get to be with you. If I haven't met you yet, my name is Brad Herndon, and I bring you greetings from our Edina campus. You may not know this, but Wooddale Church is one church in multiple locations. And so even right now this morning, we're gathered all across the Twin Cities under the same vision, the same mission, the same heartbeat of reaching our different communities with the hope of the gospel. And so I get to be with you every weekend by uh, uni being united under the same teaching. Uh, but this weekend, I get to be with you in person. So it's good to, good to get to be here as we continue our series, Bottom of the Ninth. And as you watch that video with Brian Dozier, I mean, that just gets my heart racing, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, who doesn't love a great comeback? You know, whether it was Dozier's walk-off home run or, or maybe it was, you know, Stefan Diggs somehow snagging that pass from Case Keenum for the Vikings last winter. You know, or maybe as you think about comebacks, you can't help but think about something from your, the glory days of your own high school sports career, right? Yeah, maybe something that you experienced under the lights or in the gym on Friday nights. Yeah, we all love comebacks, don't we? Why is that? You don't even, you don't even have to like sports to get caught up in the excitement of a comeback. That's, that's what I've learned. And, and I gotta wonder why, that, why is that? Is it, just, is it just the drama of it or seeing a team come from behind the excitement well, I think the reason we love comebacks so much is because comebacks give us hope that we can each have a comeback in our life, right? That, that no matter the situation, no matter the odds, no matter how few seconds are left on the clock, that there's a comeback that's, that's possible. And who wouldn't love to believe that comebacks are just as possible in our lives as they are in sports, right? That you can have a comeback in your family and in your marriage, that you can have a, a comeback in your career, in your job. You can have a comeback in your finances. You can have a comeback in your health. You can even have a comeback in your faith. And so this month in this series, uh, what we're saying, what I believe, what we're convinced of around here is that the greatest comeback any single one of us can have happens in our relationship with God. And so this series this month is for anyone who's in need of a comeback with God. So maybe for you, faith just... It's pretty difficult these days. Or maybe you're just not growing the way that you thought you would in your faith. Or, or maybe God just feels distant and you're kind of wondering, hey God, what, what gives? 
Or maybe you've had some sort of doubt or disappointment along the way. Or maybe you've just blown it. And you're wondering if the game is over. And as I say that, maybe, there, maybe there's some people here that as you think about comebacks, you think, you know, God and I, we're, we're doing okay. We're, we're pretty good. You know, things are going well. And, and if that's you, then, then I want to praise God with you. And, uh, but I also want to encourage you, maybe keep an open mind because maybe God has a comeback in mind for you that, that you don't know about yet. And for others of us, as I talk about a comeback and a relationship with God, you look at your life, you look at your faith, and you think, you know what, that's, that's just too much. It's too late. It's not going to happen. And if that's you, then what I hope you hear during this series, what I hope you hear from me, is that even if you've given up on God, he hasn't given up on you. And as your pastors and those who are speaking with you during the series, we are convinced that God has a comeback in mind for every single one of us in our relationship with him. See, when, when Jesus showed up on the earth a couple thousand years ago, he showed up with this radical message that the God of the universe wanted to be in relationship with us, with you. A deep, personal, and meaningful relationship. And there's one word that Jesus uses over and over again to describe what this relationship would look like. And it's this word, follow. Everyone say that together. Follow, that's right. Follow. In fact, that word shows up over 80 times in the Gospels, the four accounts of Jesus' life. And it's as if to tell us that if we want to understand what this relationship with God looks like, if we want to experience what a comeback there could look like, how that might happen, well, then we need to understand this word. And so we're going to spend some time this weekend in a passage that shows up in, in three of the Gospels. It shows up in Luke 5, Mark 1, and Matthew 4. And we're going to pull a few details from each of these, these Gospels because uh, it just shows us a little bit about this, this, this following thing. And so in this scene, Jesus is uh, near the Sea of Galilee. He's walking around and he's teaching about the kingdom of God. And as tends to happen when Jesus starts teaching is a huge crowd emerges. And there's so many people that Jesus can't possibly like, reach them all with, with his voice. And so he needs, a, he needs a bigger pulpit. He needs a bigger kind of megaphone, so to speak. So he looks over on the sea and he sees a couple boats, one belonging to this guy, Simon. And he gets in Simon's boat and he asks Simon to push out from the shore for a little bit so that Jesus can teach the crowds from the water. And so Jesus does that. And then after he's done teaching, he, he tells Simon, hey, uh, why don't you throw your, your fishing nets, the ones that you just got done cleaning because Simon had been fishing all night, and throw them back in the water, and you're going to catch a bunch of fish. And Simon looks at Jesus like he's crazy, and he says, are you, are you kidding me? I've been fishing all night. I haven't caught a thing. I'm, they're not going to start catching anything now, but for whatever reason, Simon throws the nets into the water, and all of a sudden, the fish come. And so many fish that the nets begin to pull, they begin to break, and Simon yells over at the other fishermen and says, hey, come over and help me, and they, they start pulling in this fish, and it's so many that all of a sudden now, now Simon sees Jesus in a little bit different light, and Simon falls before Jesus, and he says, he says, Lord, get away from me, because I'm a sinner, and you don't want to be around me. And Jesus looks at Simon and says, don't be afraid, Simon. Come follow me. Look how Matthew writes. He says, come follow me. And then the Gospels tell us that Simon and the other fishermen got up, left everything, and they followed Jesus. Now, this is such a, a turning point in Simon's life. It's, a, it's one of the greatest comebacks in all of Scripture, because you just, you just think about this guy, Simon. I mean, he's a fisherman, right? And fishermen were by no means the, the elite of society in first century Judaism. They weren't the bottom of the totem pole. 
They were just kind of there in the middle. These were just kind of everyday, hardworking guys. Simon had been up all night fishing, trying to make a living. And it was common for rabbis like Jesus to walk around and to, to teach the scriptures. And as they would, sometimes, every now and then, they would see someone in the crowd around them and they would say, hey, you're pretty sharp. Why don't you come and follow me from now on? Learn from me, but not fishermen. For Simon to be in a boat like he was meant that he had long been looked over by all of the rabbis of his day, but not by Jesus. And it just tells us that if, if you've ever felt looked over by the world, if you've ever felt looked over by God, Jesus came to tell us that he's looking at you, that he doesn't care about your spiritual background. He doesn't care about what part of society that you find yourself in. Jesus is looking at you. And in that look is where Jesus issues the most powerful invitation Simon could have ever received. He says, come follow me. And that would be the turning point of Simon's life based on what he did with that invitation. And it can be a turning point in your life and in my life too. And so the question is, how are you at following Jesus? And that's a hard question to answer. But as I look at my life and as I look at this passage, what I see are some, some steps. And I've learned that following Jesus, no matter what your story is, following Jesus happens one step at a time. And it's just stepping forward, whatever it is. And I see four steps in this passage that we're going to look at. And as we look at these steps, I want you to consider what step might God be inviting you to take. All right, you with me? Yeah. You sure about that? You with me? All right. Okay, good. Step one, let Jesus in your boat. Let Jesus in your boat. Let Jesus into the various spaces of your life. All right, so Luke tells us, he says, Jesus saw at the water's edge two boats left there by fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into the one belonging by Simon and he asked him to put out a little from the shore. And then Jesus sat down and he taught the people from the boat. And as you think about this, you got to wonder, why would Jesus get into Simon's boat? So he's at the Sea of Galilee, right? This is the same sea, the same body of water that in a little while Jesus would actually walk out on top of. He would do his whole miraculous walk on water thing. And so if Jesus decided he wanted to get out on the water, why not just walk on it? Why not kill two birds with one stone, do the miracle and the teaching all at the same time? Amaze the crowds, right? And I think the reason is because is Jesus wants us to know something. It's, 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 you know, why would Jesus bother with a fisherman's old, dirty, common boat, a boat that wasn't even his, what that tells us is that Jesus wants to come into the spaces of our lives. He wants to come into the common, messy, old spaces of our lives, right? That, that, think about that. The God of the universe, the one whose glory fills the universe, fills the temples, fills the skies, he wants to come into the fishing boats of your life and mine. And Jesus was always doing this in his ministry. So for, for Simon, he, he gets into Simon's fishing boat. For a couple other guys, some tax collectors, Zacchaeus and Matthew, Jesus actually invited himself to their house. I mean, what was that conversation like with their wives? Like, hey, hey, honey, we need to maybe tidy up a little bit. The savior of the universe is coming over for dinner tonight. For a woman in Samaria, Jesus found her, met her at the town's drinking fountain. These are not the places that you would expect the God of the universe to meet you. But it tells us something pretty incredible about that God. And what that is, is that as, as important, as powerful, as meaningful as these worship services are that we're a part of every single week, and they are, we, we need to be here. This is, this is where we get to hear from God. But as important as they are, 
God does not want these spaces in this hour to be the extent of our relationship with him. That he wants Mondays and Wednesdays to be just as important. That, that Jesus is a God who shows up at, at your job site. That he shows up in your break room. That Jesus shows up in your kitchen. That, that he shows up in traffic or at the bus stop or in the school hallway. That Jesus wants to come into the spaces of your life. Not just here. And if that's true, then it raises a really important question. And that question is, what are the spaces of your life? What are the boats that you're willing to let Jesus into? And what are the boats that you're not? And so this week, maybe just grab a piece of paper and a few minutes to yourself and just list out all of the different areas of your life that you can come up with. And just see how far that list goes. And it might be, you know, in your parenting, how you raise your kids. It might be in your marriage or in your singleness. It might be in your retirement or how you spend your money or whatever it may be. So certain relationships that you have in your life. And as you look at that list, which are the ones that you're willing to let Jesus into? And which are the ones that you're not? Or that maybe are just a little harder, right? So step one is let Jesus into the spaces of your life, into your boat. Step two is let go of your nets. Let go of your nets. Let go of the excuses that come up in our relationship, in your relationship with God. So, so Jesus, you know, after he teaches from the boat, he makes this really strange request of Simon. Uh, he says, Simon, hey, you know, toss your nets out in the deep water, right? Now, these are the nets that Simon just got done cleaning. And he's probably thinking, what, what gives, you know? And what does Simon do to this request? He tells Jesus, he says, master, pay attention to that, master, We've been working hard all night and we haven't caught a thing. Yeah, he starts, he starts making some excuses, right? This is, this is kind of like Simon, Simon saying, hey, look, look, Jesus, you know, you're, you're a master, you're a rabbi. He gives him some respect. He says, but you know a lot about the scriptures, but you don't know a thing about fishing. That's not how this works. It'd be like if I showed up at your workplace this week, you know, and if, and if you're a, a dentist and I, you were doing a root canal, I, I sat beside you, I'm like, no, no, hang on. Let me, let me just kind of work on it. Or if I came into your office and I said, hey, show me, show me your books and I'm gonna help you figure all this out. And you'd be like, hey, pastor guy, you stay in your lane and I'll stay in mine. You don't know a thing about this. That's what Simon does with Jesus. He says, you worry about the scriptures. I'll worry about fishing. But for whatever reason, Simon goes ahead and throws the nets out anyway. Maybe just to oblige Jesus is kind of the feeling that I get. And then the fish come. So many fish, the nets begin to pull and break. And, and in that moment, Simon begins to see Jesus in a different light. He says, go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. Simon makes another excuse. Now to his credit, now he realizes Jesus isn't just a master He's the Lord. But what Simon gets wrong and what you and I get wrong from time to time is that he lets his sin, he lets his unholiness be an excuse. He uses it to push Jesus away. And so for you, when Jesus invites you to go deeper with him in some way, to have a relationship with him, what are the excuses that come up for you? Is it like Simon, do you, do you, do you think, you know what, Jesus, uh, you know the scripture, you know, you're God, I, I, I hear you, but, but you, don't know, you don't know my life. You don't know my work, you don't know my schedule, you definitely don't know my family, you, you don't know the stress I'm under, you don't know my world. And so you keep Jesus out. Or like Simon, do you look at your life and some of the brokenness and the sin that's there and you think, Jesus, you know, if you only knew you wouldn't be wasting your time because I'm just gonna blow this. 
and you push Jesus away. As I thought about the, the, these excuses, I wonder if these are the excuses that we hold onto that Jesus says, you know, just like those nets in this story, toss them outside of the boat. And as I thought about what are those nets, those excuses in my own life, there was, there's one that immediately rose up to the surface, and it's this, it's, it's fear. That I just get afraid when it comes to following Jesus. Like, let's be honest, following Jesus is not an easy thing. It's a scary endeavor. There's some risk involved, and I don't always know if I'm hearing him the right way. And so when it's big things, I can get a little scared. And I remember a few years ago, I was feeling like Jesus might be inviting me to take a step. And I was talking to a friend about this because it was going to be hard. It was going to be risky. It could result in, you know, kind of some big changes for me and for my family. And I wasn't so sure that, that I could do this. And my friend looked at me and he said, Brad, why are you so afraid? God's got you. And it was those words, God's got you, that anchored me as I followed Jesus in that situation that I held on to, that I still hold on to in hard situations when it comes to following Jesus. And that's why I love Jesus' response to Simon in this moment when Simon is just down, he says, get away from me, Lord, for I'm a sinful man. Jesus says to him, do not be afraid. And those are the same four words that show up time and time again in scripture whenever God lands on the front door or the mat of someone's life. It show up when, when he's talking to Abraham and telling Abraham to go. It show up in the life of Moses with the whole Pharaoh and Egypt thing, do not be afraid. He shows up with Joshua, you know, taking the promised land. Shows up for Elijah. Shows up just a couple chapters ago in Luke's gospel for this little, young, ordinary girl named Mary who had found the favor of heaven. And the angels say, do not be afraid. And now that's the same words that Jesus is speaking to this fisherman. And I think they're words that he speaks to us too whenever whenever he invites us to follow him. And Luke includes this really small detail in the, his passage that the nets broke because of all of the fish. And it just makes me wonder if that's what happens whenever we toss our excuses out into the water and we hand them over to God, that he, Jesus has this way of breaking them down and freeing us up so that we can follow him and hear his voice more clearly. See, when that happens, then it opens us up to step three, Listen to his invitation to himself. Listen to his invitation to himself. Look at, look at how uh, um, Matthew writes it here. Jesus says right after this, he says, come follow me and I will make you fishers of people. And you might pay attention to this word, me, right? Because, because for the people of Israel, following was nothing new. I mean, they've been doing this for centuries. But for centuries, to follow God, to be in this relationship with him, meant to follow the law, to follow all the assortment of, of rules and guidelines and instructions that God asked them to keep in order to maintain and live out this relationship with him. But the problem was they were terrible at it. And they just got tired and angry and frustrated with it. And so now Jesus comes and he says, come follow me. It's an invitation to himself. And with that word right there, Jesus completely reframes our relationship with God. And it makes me think of last year, my daughter, who was 10 at the time, um, decided she wanted to learn to start baking. And she's a real go-getter. She loves taking initiatives. So she, so she pulls out that, you know, red and white checkered Betty Crocker cookbook that I think, like, it just automatically comes with every kitchen. 
Um, I don't even think, we, I think it was there when we moved in. But uh, so he pulls out that book and is looking through it, hops on Google and p- prints out some recipes that she wants to try. And so then she, she spends some time in just trying to make these things, following the instructions, and it just wasn't quite turning out right. Like it didn't quite taste the way it was supposed to. It didn't, certainly didn't look the way it was supposed to, like in the pictures. And, and she was just getting really frustrated and really angry and, and ready to give up. And in that moment, my, my wife, sensing this, pulls her aside and says, I, I tell you what, why don't you find something that you want to make? And then tomorrow, you and I, let's go to the store and let's pick out some of the ingredients that we're going to need. And then we'll come home and, and we'll go into the kitchen together. And we'll make this together. And, and as we do so, I want, you to, I want you to watch me as we follow these recipes and see how I measure things and see how we mix things and, and what this means here and how we go about doing this. And so it became this relationship builder between the two of them. And they continued to bake over the course of this past year. And this, this past week was my daughter's 11th birthday. I got it wrong last night and got in trouble for it. Uh, they keep changing. I can't keep up with it. Um, her 11th birthday, and my wife and her made her birthday cake. And it was this buttercream, two-layer chocolate birthday cake with this fondant cover, you know, that looks all cool. I don't know if I got all that right. Does that sound right? All, all I know is it was good. And it's gone. Right? And I think that maybe that's what Jesus had in mind when he said, come follow me. See, when we try to follow all of the guidelines and the instructions, and there's some good ones, some ones that we need, we need to pay attention to in both Testaments of Scripture, but when we try to do it alone, then we just wind up frustrated and tired and angry, and it's kind of like we're just burning birthday cakes in the oven. And so Jesus says, follow me. Watch me. Do this with me. And that's why I love the way he puts it in Matthew 11, a different, a different passage further into Jesus' ministry. He says, no one knows the Son the way the Father does nor the Father the way the Son does. But I'm not keeping it to myself. I'm ready to go over it line by line with anyone willing to listen. He says, are you tired? Worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Well, come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. And I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. You see, friends, when Jesus says, come follow me, it's an invitation to himself. It's an invitation to grace. And so I wonder, when you hear Jesus' invitation, do you, do you hear an invitation to rules and to religion? Or are you hearing his voice? Are you hearing the heart behind his voice? Are you willing to hear him and come to him? And then that leads us to our fourth step. And this is maybe, maybe the most important because this is kind of where the rubber hits the road. Step four, the final one, it says, leave what's safe behind. Leave what's safe behind. Luke tells us that, that Simon and the disciple, the other guys, they pulled up, the, the other fishermen, they pulled up their boats onto the shore. They left everything and they followed him. They left everything. <laughs> they left what was comfortable. They left their jobs. They left their boats. They left their routines. They, they left what was successful. I mean, you think about all the fish that they caught. They never would have caught this many fish in all the days of their life. You think about the profit that they would have had on those fish, and they just left it. They left what was safe. And this is so important because I, I think this step is where so many of us get stuck, right? 
that we're willing to do the first three. We might let Jesus into the spaces of our lives. We might let go of some of our nets, our excuses. We might listen to his invitation to himself, but to actually leave what's safe behind, that's where it gets hard. In fact, time and time again in the Gospels, we see people who are coming up to Jesus, who are wanting to follow him, and they're willing to do these first three things, but they won't do this one because there's something that's holding them back. There's something safe that they're unwilling to let go of. There's something that's more important to them. And so what it tells me, what it tells us is that something we need to remember is that Jesus will never, ever force us into a relationship with him. Jesus did not force Simon to follow him. He certainly didn't guilt him into it. He didn't make him do it. He doesn't, it's the same with us. That Jesus will never force you to follow. He'll never force you into that relationship. He'll never force you into spiritual growth. He'll never force that growth upon you. He, will, he won't force you to give up sin in your life, even if it's destroying us. He only invites us. But in order to follow him, in order to say yes, there's always something safe that we have to be willing to leave behind. And I wonder for you what that could be. And I wonder for Simon, I think about all that he would have missed out on had he not followed Jesus in this moment, right? Had he not said yes, had he not been willing to leave that safety behind? I mean, think about all that he saw, all that he heard, all that he did as he walked with Jesus. You know, I think, you think about all the things that happened even after Jesus, that, that Simon would be writing the words of scripture that we would be reading today, that 2,000 years ago, from this moment at a boat at the Sea of Galilee, that there would be churches all over the world that are reading the words of this guy as he, as he talked about this relationship with Jesus, that we would be learning from it even today, that none of this would have happened had Simon said, you know what? I'm good. I'm gonna stay here. And for us, what are the things that we miss out on whenever we refuse to follow Jesus or we stay back? And we may never know. But what is Jesus inviting you to? For, for Simon, he says, I'll make you fishers of people. He says, from now on, from, from, to this point, Simon, you've been catching fish to kill them. From now on, you're going to be catching fish to give them life. He was inviting, Jesus was inviting Simon into a purpose, to something that was so much bigger than Simon could ever have dreamt and imagined. And I think the same thing is true with us. When we say yes to Jesus, there's comebacks behind that yes that we'll only experience when we say, when we take that step, when we give up what's safe. And so what step might Jesus be inviting you to take today to let him into the boats of your life, to let go of some excuses and nets, to listen to his invitation to himself, or maybe to leave what's safe behind? Now, here's the thing about these steps, a couple things, in fact. One is that these steps aren't one and done. And they're not four and done, I should say. You know, that Jesus continually, always invites us to keep taking them. There's a great book. It's been really important in my own spiritual growth. It's called A Long Obedience in the Same Direction by Eugene Peterson. And in this book, Peterson talks about how we can tend to view our relationship with Jesus in one of two ways. We can view it as a monument or as footsteps, footprints. And quoting William Faulkner, Peterson writes, a monument only says, at least I got this far. While a footprint says, this is where I was when I moved. Right? And a monument says, 
at least I got this far. And I think sometimes we view our relationship with Jesus that way. We kind of, you know, we step into that relationship and then we're good and then nothing ever happens, right? Or maybe we grow a little bit, but then, but then we stop and we never take time to actually live out the mission that he's given us, that there's steps that Jesus is continually inviting us to take. See, see he's, he's never gonna stop. He will always keep inviting himself into the spaces of your life. He will always encourage us to give up what's holding us back, those excuses and the fears and the sin. He's, he continually is gonna be inviting us to himself. He, he's always gonna, certainly, always gonna ask us to leave what's safe behind to follow him. And so we need to remember that. Now, here's the other thing about these steps is that Jesus was not, if we fast forward a little bit, Jesus was not just inviting Simon to follow him alone. He was actually inviting Simon into some relationships with some other people too. And that's so important because it just shows us that this whole following thing, this whole relationship with Jesus thing is something that we're meant to do together that's so much better and richer and more meaningful together. In fact, every week of this series, out in the lobby, you're gonna see some tables out there and there's some, some, some uh, people standing at those tables and at every one of those tables during the series is a comeback opportunity. It's a step that you can take as a follower of Jesus. And one of the things that we believe in around here is that we need each other in our relationship with God. And that's why we have groups one of, one of the best kinds of ministries that we have is our life groups. These are five to 15 people who gather regularly and, and they gather to live out this relationship, to, to encourage one another, to challenge one another, to read scripture together, to pray together. And, and yeah, there's, there's some, you know, there's definitely there's Bible study involved and social time involved, and those are important things. But the point behind all of this is that these are people who are committed to helping one another live out this invitation to come follow me in our daily lives. And if you've ever, you know, find yourself saying, you know what, uh, I've heard that, and it might be true for some people, but not for me. I just, me and God, we're good. I just need him. And I've said that in my life before. And what I found out is that uh, Jesus vehemently would disagree with me in that statement. You see, there's one person in all of scripture who had God to themselves, and it was Adam, all the way back in the Garden of Eden. And it was the one thing in all of creation that God said was not good as if to tell us that there is some part of God, some part of our relationship with God that he wants to have with us that is only possible, that we can only experience through our relationships with each other, right? And so if you've been trying to go about this relationship with God on your own, then I'm gonna tell you, it's gonna forever remain elusive. You're only gonna go so far and you'll never get to experience the comebacks that he has in mind for you. But if you find yourself in a group, in a relationships that are focused on those four steps, and that's when we get to experience Jesus and continually grow and experience the comebacks that he has in mind. So my wife and I were talking about the uh, groups that we've been a part of over the years. And you, you, gotta, you gotta understand something. Is that I'm an introvert. My wife's an introvert. Um, we're, we have four kids. We're stressed. We're tired. Our schedule's full. We don't have time for anything else, right? And yet we've made these groups a priority because we're convinced that our life is richer, that our faith is richer because of these relationships that we've had in them. These are the people that we've dug into God's word with, that we've wrestled with the hard truths of scripture with, that we've been able to, 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 to be honest with when, when following Jesus was hard, when faith was hard, to be transparent with when, when life just didn't feel great. These are the people who showed up at the hospital when our kids were there. These are the people who helped us do whatever it took to follow Jesus in our life. 
and we got to be a part of their lives as well. And my wife summed it up as we were talking about it. She said, you know, I think by being a part of these relationships, these groups, is that we were given a front row seat to God at work in other people's lives. And because of that, we got to see how God was at work in our lives too. You see, we believe that around here. And that's why I hope today you'll stop by one of those tables and maybe learn more about one of these groups. And it won't be perfect, but I guarantee you that it can pave the way toward a comeback in your faith of some kind. And so in a moment, we're gonna turn toward communion and it's a time to remember that it's only because of Jesus' death on the cross, the love that he gave, the life that he sacrificed, that we can experience this relationship. It's that what makes our comeback possible. But before we do, I wanna make sure I give an invitation for anyone here, give you an opportunity. If you've never started this relationship, if you've never taken one of these steps in order for you to do so, you know, that, that this is, so core to who we are, that this is where our life starts, that this is the comeback that God has in mind for us. And so if you've never taken that step or had an opportunity, I'm gonna give you one now. Maybe, maybe for you, you know, you've done the church thing before, but for you, it's, all about, it's been all about rules and religion and that's all that you heard. And today, somehow in the words of scripture, in this service, you're hearing Jesus's invitation. You're hearing his voice inviting you to himself. And you want to say, you know what? I want to follow that. I want to follow him. I want you to be my savior and my God. Or maybe for you, you began that relationship with Jesus once, but it's been a long time and a lot of, a lot of life happened. A lot of stuff happened. And, and it's been a while since you told him that you want to follow him. Maybe there's an area of your life that came right to mind. And you say, I'll follow you there. You know, Jesus talks about God being a good father. And that there was a son who ran away from this father and lived life to the full and was afraid to come back. But Jesus tells us that good father waited with his heart set on his boy, his child. And as soon as that son turned around and started to come back, the father ran. He ran. He embraced that child and he threw him a big party. And that's the kind of comeback, friends, that can be, happen in your life today. And so I wanna give you an opportunity to do so. So as I pray, if you wanna take one of those steps, then, then you can pray with me. You can repeat these words after me. You can say them in your heart, but let's bow our heads now and let's pray. So Jesus, thank you. Thank you for coming to earth. Thank you for looking at us. Thank you for inviting us. Thank you for the words, follow me. And so now, Jesus, I wanna follow you. I wanna let you into the space, the spaces of my life and let you be Lord there. Jesus, I wanna give up my excuses. I wanna give up my fears. I want to give up whatever's holding me back because I want to follow you. I want to follow you into a relationship with you. I want to follow you into an eternity with you and I want you to change my life. Rescue me from my sin. Give me a new purpose. Would you come into my life and be my savior? 
Would you be my friend? Would you be my guide? Would you be my Lord? And it's in your beautiful, tender, powerful name that we pray. Amen.